Hello, future lawyers, friends, guests, and whoever is listening. And welcome to the Elite Law Schooler podcast, where it is my job to interview top performers in law school so that I can help you better understand the enigma that is law school. By doing this, I hope to help you land the job of your dreams and set you up for that career that you've always wanted. Now, I have a very special guest for you today, Miss Elliot Condon. Elliot graduated number one in her class at South Carolina Law with a 3.98 GPA, and she callied 11, count them, 11 classes. Moreover, she served as the executive articles editor on South Carolina Law Review. Now, Ms. Condon is currently clerking for Judge Joseph Anderson at the United States District Court in Columbia, South Carolina, so I don't think I need to say much more by way of introduction. Elliot did as well as you can do in law school, and she landed a federal clerkship thereafter. So, this is someone you can learn from. Now, without further ado, I bring you Ms. Elliot Condon. All right, I have Elliot Condon here on the line. Elliot, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. So, are you ready to tell us a little bit about your law school experience and how you got number one in your class? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Well, let's start off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself, if you would, please. Okay, well, my name is Elliot. I grew up in Charleston, and I went to Clemson for undergrad. Go Tigers, if anyone's a football fan. Um, I received a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science there, and I also got a minor in Legal Studies. And then I went straight from college into law school. Um, I went to University of South Carolina School of Law, and I graduated just this past May um, in 2018, so I'm fresh out. Haven't even gotten my uh, bar exam results back yet. So, but I have started work and I've taken the bar exam. So that's where I am. Well, when you say you've started work, what exactly are you doing right now? Um, I'm a judicial law clerk right now to Judge Joe Anderson at the United States District Court for the District of South Carolina. And um, my main roles with Judge Anderson, there's two clerks, so there's me and one other one. And our main role is kind of splitting up his um, civil cases. So I have half half of his civil caseload and... Um, I'm constantly busy with parties that are filing motions and asking the court to do different things on their cases. And um, I've also gotten pulled in on a few criminal matters um, when the judge needs me. And I've only been working for about a month. And I've already seen a full civil trial, uh, multiple hearings on different motions, like motions to compel, motions for summary judgment. And I've seen some criminal sentencing and guilty pleas. Um, I can't imagine starting my first year out of law school doing anything else. I can't believe how much I've learned so far. Um, And the job's also a lot of legal research and writing. So it's been really great. It kind of makes me turn the wheels every day and think about legal issues and use all the skills I use in law school. So I think it's going to be really helpful for when I um, start practice practicing. 
So would you say the clerkship kind of helps consolidate a lot of the theoretical information you learned in law school? Yes, definitely. And I think it's also um, really practical because I've learned a lot about discovery and discovery disputes. And um, I know you can take classes in law school that talk about discovery, but I never took any of those. So it's been super helpful, um, especially with civil cases now they don't really get a trial anymore. So I know discovery and discovery disputes are a huge part of um, working litigation. So that's also been really helpful. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that was just something I was curious about. So now we can get to the good stuff and talk about law school. So I want to ask you just, just right off the bat, what would you consider to be your worst memory in law school? Oh gosh. Um, I would probably have to say just generally my first set of law school exams. Um, my, probably my worst memory I can boil it down to is I think it was the week before Thanksgiving break. So right before we had exams coming up and we were in my contracts class and one of my friends, um, I always give her a hard time about it now, but she raised her hand to ask the professor a question and she started listing off these restatement numbers like, oh, restatement 90 or statement 20. And I, I had a literal panic attack because I didn't know what any of the restatement numbers meant. Um, turns out I didn't need to know the restatement numbers. I just needed to know the rules, which I did, but I had a panic attack. Like I, I felt like I couldn't breathe and I have to admit, I spent my first Thanksgiving in Columbia buried in the contracts examples and explanations supplement because I was so freaked out that I had no idea what was going on because she listed out all their statement numbers in class. So that's probably my worst memory. Oh God. Yeah. I, I can relate to that. I know I had several panic attacks my first year, so that's (laughs) all right. Now that we got that out of the way, I want to ask, what was your average day in law school like? And so what we're kind of trying to hammer down here is like, what were your routines and your processes? Mm -hmm. And and like, how was your day structured, uh, your average day in law school? Yeah, so I would say that um, my first year in law school was probably more structured um, than my last two. And I knew that I wanted to develop um, a good routine, stay on top of it, because in undergrad, um, I didn't have like a set routine or set structure. I didn't feel like I really needed one, but I felt like I needed one in law school. Um, I do remember trying different schedules in my first few weeks of school, trying to figure out where, where and when I like to do my reading um, until I figured it out. So I think that's something that everyone has to do, try different things and figure it out. But for me, um, my first class started at 9 a.m. most days, and so I tried to get to school at 8, and um, I tried to save that time to review, but to be honest, most of the time I was finishing up a reading assignment for the day, Um, and I had always wanted to get ahead in reading, but to be honest with you, I never did. I usually read um, my Tuesday readings like on Monday and my Wednesday readings on Tuesday. I never was ahead. I know um, a lot of my friends read ahead on the weekends and I was always kind of jealous of that. Um, But I, so I would get to school eight and finish that. And then I really, really felt that the time during the day when I had my breaks from class was 
invaluable to finish my reading. So um, I tried to bring my lunch to school because I didn't have to leave and go back to my apartment. Um, And then I could get, I would get essentially all of my reading assignments done for the next day on my breaks. Um, And I felt like it really helped the first few months of law school if I could get the bulk of my reading done during the day at school for the next day. Because that way when I got home, I was able to relax for a little bit um, and not be so freaked out that I had all this reading to do for the next day. So I really, I really think that time during the day when you have those breaks for an hour or two here and there to go in the library and knock out a reading assignment is, um, really what helped me. And then I would go to my afternoon classes. I usually finish between four and 6 PM, depending on if I had tutoring or depending on what class it was. And then I would go home. Um, my first year I like to exercise in the evenings when I got home. It wasn't until my third year I started exercising in the mornings. Um, that's more of a preference thing. So you just have to find out what works for you. And then I would usually cook dinner and pretty much every single night I watched Jeopardy at seven thirty while I ate dinner uh, with my Love roommate. Jeopardy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a ritual. My roommate was in law school, um, and so was my boyfriend. He was a year ahead of me, but we would watch Jeopardy pretty much every night at 7.30 <laughs> and eat dinner. So I really think having that hour of time where I wasn't doing any work, um, where I was hanging out with friends or my boyfriend, eating dinner and watching Jeopardy is really one of the things that I contribute my successes to because it really helped keep my mental health on track and it really helped me stay sane knowing that I didn't have to do law school work, you know, every minute that I was awake. So I think while it's really hard to kind of figure out how to strike that balance, I think the people call it work-life balance. I used to like to call it work-school balance. Finding that work-school balance is really important, but I'll admit it took me a while to figure out how to do that. Um, But I do think it's really important Um, And so then before bed, if I had any additional reading that I needed to do, I would do it then. And sometimes if I decided to take the night off, if I was tired, um, I would, instead of finishing reading that night, I would get up and get to school at 7. So that way I had two hours before my 9 a.m. and I could finish a reading assignment that I needed to. Um, I just made sure that I planned a time to complete each reading assignment because I felt like reading for class was really important. Um, I will say at least the last month, if not longer than that, I definitely was doing schoolwork at night um, when I got home after taking my dinner break because I had to start studying and outlining. So I was pretty much studying every night um, leading up till bed the last month or so. So that was my schedule one out year. Okay. And um, and so I I think it's interesting that you uh, made a big deal out of taking that one hour um, of time for your life. And so was that something you did throughout law school? You kind of um, set a little bit of time aside for for what we'll call mental health? Yes, definitely. I think my second and third year, that might have grown to maybe more than one hour. (laughs) But um, my first year, I know it's just so overwhelming. You have so much reading and it's not just you know, textbook reading, it's reading these cases that half the time don't make sense the first time you read them. So I know it's feels really overwhelming. And um, I'm, 
I'll admit I found it really hard at first to strike a balance, but I felt that when I, the nights that I started taking that time an hour or two to cook dinner and sit down and watch Jeopardy and hang out with friends or even by myself, I felt like it was so important. And I felt like when I, if I did go back and study or do reading at say eight or eight thirty. I was sharper and I was ready to go because I had taken that break. So I do think it's really, really important to take that time for yourself. Good. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you talked about that because I think it's really important too. And, um, yeah, I concur. So let's talk a little bit about class participation now. So did you have any kind of special approach to class participation? You said you read, and you also said some cases didn't make sense the first time. Did you, did you, were you able to find time to read cases more than once? No, <laughs> I don't think I had time to read cases more than once. Um, if I didn't understand a case, I might try to go back and read like the first and last paragraph of the case um, and, you know, put a star by that in my notes, didn't really understand this. And then I would just pay even more attention in class when the professor was talking about that case. I don't, gosh, I can't imagine having time to read cases twice, to be honest with you, but I would probably maybe skim over it a second time um, or maybe look in a supplement to try to see if it was a big case, if there was an explanation for it there. But um, I did not read cases twice. <laughs> gotcha. So make sure and read for every class. Was there any kind of um, any kind of other techniques you might have had for dealing with uh, the Socratic method when the teacher called on you or anything like that? Um, yes. So I, to be honest, I never raised my hand in class. Um, I obviously would answer if I got called on, but I was never one to volunteer. I think maybe I volunteered a handful of times in law school, maybe more in my second and third year. If I was taking smaller classes with professors that I knew and no one was answering one all year, I don't think I ever raised my hand maybe once to ask a question, but, um, I only spoke if I was called on, <laughs> um, and I, I wish, um, I know that some professors would have kind of Q and a question and answer sessions before exams. If I had a question, a legitimate question, I would go to, to, um, Q and a and ask a question then, but I never really, um, raised my hand just to talk or volunteer during class. That was just kind of, I felt comfortable not talking in class. Um, and I answered if I was called on, but that was kind of my approach. Um, I know everyone has a different approach. Well, um, so if the teacher did call on you, did you, did you like have cases briefed out or notes in the margin or something to help you, uh, get through that, uh, situation? Yeah. So I'm definitely a big, um, case briefer in the textbook with a highlighter and pen and notes in the margin and um, circling things. I would, so let's say we have a case, I would put like an H and circle H next to the holding. I would put an R and circle R in the paragraph where it said reasoning. Um, and then if it was facts, I would highlight the key facts. And then what I would usually do is um, it would what people call case briefs, mine was probably a really condensed version of that. I, if I was handwriting it, it probably was seven lines on a uh, piece of notebook paper. I would put the holding, um, a couple of key facts to trigger my memory, um, and then 
maybe one sentence of the reasoning, but I, I know a lot of people did longer case briefs. I never did those, but I will say I did take a lot of notes in class when the professor was talking. So sometimes um, if I hand wrote my notes for the class, I would leave like a big space, like almost a page under each case. And um, I would take a lot of notes during class. And that would include like adding notes about the facts of the case or whatever the professor pointed out. And then um, notes on the law after that. So while I didn't take a ton of notes for class, I did take some, and then I would, I took a ton of notes during class. Wow. So that's a, that's a totally novel approach to note taking. So let me, let me just uh, recap that. So you would, uh, you would read the cases and write just like a little, uh, seven line summary, and then you would leave that page open and then you would kind of fill in the details during class. Yes, and I love color pens and highlighters, so I wrote my notes um, from when I was reading the cases, say the night before, in, let's say, blue, and then I would leave like a full page or half a page under it, and then I would write um, all my notes from class in a different color pen, so then when I was going back and studying, I could see what I had written versus what I had taken, what um, the professor had said in class. And I also did margin notes like in the book and highlighted um, all over the case while I was reading it. So to me, that was kind of my case briefing in the book and then my short little notes. That is really, that's such an interesting approach. That's why I love doing this show. So one more question before we move on, um, on this particular thing. Did you have any kind of color coding with your highlighters or were you just using yellow and just hitting facts? No, no color coding. I did always have a different color highlighter and pen, so it varied every time I read. But so say like a yellow highlighter and a blue pen, so it wasn't the same color. But I never, I know some people do like pink for the holding, yellow for the facts. I never, <laughs> yeah. I never could take all that time. But um. So there's no specific color coordinating, but I just made sure that the notes I wrote on the case and the notes that I took in class were two different colors. And if I type my notes for class, I um, would even do um, my class notes were like black. But I, if, if I took notes outside of class on reading, I would do them in blue. So I knew that that wasn't what the professor said. That was notes that I had taken. Interesting. I love that. Yeah, I was I was the uh, the blue, green, pink, yellow, orange highlighter guy. But yeah, so we're going to wrap up this topic with this question. So a lot of people come into law school, at least from my experience, and they think you need to talk a lot in class. You need to go see professors in their office hours all the time. So you would you would kind of take a, a an opposite approach to that, right? Yes, that was definitely my approach in class. Um, I do think that I will say I did form a good relationship with my legal writing professor. I went to her office a lot. Um, a lot of that was required. We would sign up for times and she became really helpful to me, not just for legal writing, but she offered me career advice, life advice, and, um, I'm so close to her today. So I do think that it's important to build those relationships. But with that being said, I don't, I think just talking just to talk or asking a question, just to ask a question, if it's not genuine and you're not really wondering the answer to that is not something that I was going to do. I didn't think that was a good approach. So I just, I didn't raise my hand in class. Um, but I don't think people should be scared to ask questions, but I don't think that, um, 
thinking that just because you raise your hand all the time and talk, you're going to do better than someone else in the class, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's just good to have that perspective too, because obviously uh, you got number one in your class, 3.98 GPA. I mean, God, obviously it worked for you. So, um, no. so, let's, uh, so let's talk about exam preparation. Now that we're talking about what a superstar you were at law school. Let's talk about where it really matters. I want to talk about exam preparation and just in general, how did you prepare for law school exams? What was your approach to that? Yes, I don't think superstar is a good word. I think it was how did I survive maybe, <laughs> but um, um, preparation, everyone hears that their whole life, but it's true. It, I think is the time you put into studying is directly correlated with your grades. I I mean, everyone that's in law school is brilliant, smart, and everyone's capable. I think the difference is just how much time do you spend studying? How much time do you spend with the material? Um, I will say I was not one of those people. I knew I had a bunch of friends that read various books before they came into law school, like how to prepare for law school, how to take exams. Um, I didn't read a lot of those, but my roommate in law school had said that her criminal law professor had suggested this book. Um, It's called Getting to Maybe, How to Excel in Law School Exams. Um, I think it was written in the late 90s, maybe like 1998 or so. And I read that book um, a couple weeks before exams. And I highly recommend that anyone that is going to law school or in their first year that asked me if I read anything, I tell them to read Gain and Maybe. Um, I think it's so important because it talks about how to take a law school exam. And even though it was written almost 20 years ago, it's so relevant today. And it talks about using the facts, um, talks about what they call forks in the facts and how to use those forks of facts on your exams. And so I will say before I talk about what I did um, to prepare for exams that I really do recommend that book. Um, I felt like it really helped me and it was straight to the point and didn't have a lot of um, fluff. But so to prepare for exams, I guess everyone calls it exam season in law school. (laughs) Um, I usually started studying about four to six weeks out. One out a year, probably more, probably six. And my last year's was probably only four weeks um, because you just get so busy your last two years with everything you're involved in. But um, I do remember feeling really concerned that I hadn't started, quote, studying. But I think it's important to remember that just by reading for class every day, going to class and taking notes, even though you're not you know, saying they're outlining, reading an outline every day or every weekend, you're still, you've learned so much more than you think. So I would always kind of have this freak out. I mean, it happened up until I graduated where I'm like, oh my goodness, I haven't started studying. Um, I don't know anything. And then once I started studying and outlining, I realized that, wow, I really do remember a lot more than I think I did. So I think it's important um, for law students to remember that and not freak out. Um, but so I, I started studying usually four to six weeks out. Okay. And, and did you have any kind of, um, did you have any kind of different strategy for an open book versus a closed book exam or anything like that? Um, so I tried not to have a different strategy just because I always kind of felt like 
open book was like a test by the professors, even though it really wasn't. But I always felt like it was such a time crunch and there were so many issues to talk about that I really didn't have time to sit there and flip through an outline. But um, with that being said, I definitely didn't force myself to completely memorize every rule. Um, as in an open book exam as I did in a closed book exam. So for open book exams, my different approach was I tried to make um, a short outline. Some people call them an attack outline. But um, it wasn't really an attack outline. It was more of just I would try to put on maybe two pages what I call rule statements. So um, if I needed to glance down during exams to rules, I would have like the rules organized by topic and that was, I mean, I had my big outline if I needed to flip to it for an open book exam, but I felt like it was really, really helpful to try to study for it like a closed book exam because you just don't, or in my experience, I just didn't have time to look up everything. You just don't have time. And if you do look up, it takes away a lot of time that could be spent um, talking about different issues. So I tried at the same approach, but I definitely didn't force myself to memorize the rules kind of verbatim, as some people say, um, as much with closed book exams. And I think it's helpful with closed book exams to make a shorter outline with kind of your rules or um, what people call bla your black letter law, your bare black letter law. Um, so you can flip to that easily, but you should still know you should still know the law just as well as a closed book exam, but um, maybe just don't have it memorized exactly. How about writing out practice problems or essays? Uh, did you do any of that? Um, I did do some of that, but to be honest with you, I was more of like a memorizer and reviewer. I would go over my outline time and time again with a highlighter and pen. I mean, it looked crazy by the time I was finished with it, tabbing it. Um, and I would go through it with a fine tooth comb. If there was one little thing I didn't understand, um, I made sure I looked it up and I just read over and over and studied over and over until I really understood it. And, but I do think that practice problems are really helpful. And I, I what I found helpful was when the professor recommended um, a source, like, oh, y'all should look on this website, or you should look in this book for practice problems. This professor has good examples. And I also think it's a really good idea for students to not be scared to ask the professor, hey, do you have a recommendation for where I can get hypotheticals or practice problems. Because a couple of students asked um, my classmates when I was in different classes and the professor answered all, every time all of them answered and gave a suggestion of where they think hypos, um, good hypos are. So I think that's a good suggestion to ask. And um, I think I always kind of felt like I didn't know the law well enough to do hypos. Um, and then so I only ended up doing like a couple, but I think that the better approach is to start, start doing them because it kind of gets you used to it. And the first time you do one, it's kind of crazy. You're like, I know all of this law, but I don't, I don't know what to write. So I think it's really helpful, um, to do them and to ask your professor if they have a recommendation of where to get some. Okay. And the next question is, did you study alone 100% or did you study in groups sometimes? Um, so I'm more of a solo studier. Um, I usually studied alone. Um, 
I never felt like I knew the material well enough in, in advance to kind of sit there and talk about and debate different points of law. But I will say that I would, um, usually before every exam with a group of friends, we would do a hypothetical and what we would do is we would, someone would pick one and send it out and we would say, Hey, do this, um, hypothetical time yourself 30 minutes and let's meet tomorrow morning at eight for 20 minutes. And then we would meet up and kind of just talk about the issues we spotted. And that was helpful, um, to see the different issues people spotted because sometimes they were ones I hadn't spotted or and vice versa. And I thought that that was extremely helpful, but that was the only, that was the extent of study groups that I did. I did study with friends <laughs> in silence a lot. Um, and then I would say that I, um, exchange notes and outlines. Some classes I made like a joint outline with some friends, but that was all in our own time. And then we sent it to each other. So I was never one to really, um, study in groups talking about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, before we move into exam taking, I just want to quickly ask, did you make your own outlines or did you, um, typically try to find one that was already made and then alter it? Um, yeah, so, I think with outlining for starters, I think that um, before you start outlining, I think reading for class and taking notes in every single class is so important. I I think that my class notes from uh, my first year are really what helped me um, help me do well. But I will say I kind of I used to always say um, study smarter, not harder. <laughs> so I found that looking at old outlines is really useful. Um, but I don't think that just looking at someone else's outline and not doing anything with it, um, or changing it, it would have been enough for me. So what I did was I kind of would find old outlines or old notes and use them as kind of like a skeleton or base to start with or an example. And then I would take my class notes and I would, kind of compare them to the outline and I would either start a new one if I didn't like the way the other one looked or I would just edit the old outline and I would go through it and meticulously go through it and I would edit it, format it, delete stuff, add my own notes um, until I had the outline, how I liked it. But I do think it's important. I mean, this is obvious, but old old outlines and old notes are going to have mistakes. I'm sure my notes and outlines have plenty of mistakes. So I think it's important that if you are going to use those, just to be aware of that and um, definitely check everything against your notes or against the book. Um, I had friends that like to make their own outlines from scratch and they liked shorter, kind of tighter outlines, what I call more just having like the black letter law. But for me, I really liked having, um, my like full class notes in my outlines and descript like little descriptions of cases. So I think that kind of goes back to your earlier question about whether or not I did hypotheticals. I know some of my friends that did well, that did a ton of hypotheticals for exams. They would make their own shorter outlines with just the black letter law. Whereas the outlines that I like to use had tons of notes in them and tons of examples that the professors had set in class of facts, fact patterns, and they had the cases in a little blurb about the facts. So I guess in a way I kind of had hypotheticals incorporated into my outline when I was studying. So 
Um, it just depends. Some people like shorter outlines. I liked longer ones. It was helpful for me to have um, examples of cases with facts and examples that the professors had said. Um, so I always incorporated my class notes <clears throat> either into a newer outline that I made while looking at someone's older outline, or I would just take someone's old outline and just edit it and add my notes. But I, I think that class notes, I know I've said this a couple of times, I think class notes are so, so, so important. Um, and another reason that I think reading for class is so important, I found one all year on my, um, what people call big fact pattern exams, the facts, um, always triggered a memory of a case that I had or a memory of facts from two cases meshed together. So I think professors a lot of the time write their exams um, with these cases they assign the fact patterns in their head. So that was really helpful to me. I was able to spot issues if I remembered the case and I remembered um, what the case was talking about. So I, th I think that reading and taking notes is really important. Perfect. Well, let's move into a, another major strength of yours, exam taking. So I know uh, from talking to you a little bit earlier that this is an area where you have a lot to say. So I want to ask you, what was your approach to a law school exam once you had it in front of you? Oh, gosh, <laughs> the memories are coming back. Um, so I would start reading through the fact this, um, I'm going to talk about it like this is a typical one L exam with your, with a big fact pattern. I know, um, especially two and three all year, sometimes professors will do multiple choice, um, and various things like that. But thinking back to one all year, I would read through the fact pattern. And I know, um, some people say, don't do anything until you completely read, read through it once. I would read through it once, but in the margin on the paper with a pen or pencil as I was going, I would um, like spot issues. So, for example, um, if it was a contracts exam, I might write like shorthand in the margin, like battle of forms issue or acceptance issue, offer issue. Um, and I would just kind of like really quick one or two word at the most right off to the side um, on the fact pattern. And then all of our exams are on the computer. So then I would go back to the beginning and start, um, you know, the first issue is X. And then I would go through, um, go through the exam. And there was obviously additional issues that I would spot as I was going that I hadn't initially written in the margin. But I felt like writing in the margin was really, really helpful to me um, as I read through it the first time. And then the second time I went through and wrote about those issues and also picked up on other ones. And... Um, your law school professor will tell you what they want, but most of them like what we call IRAC, Issue, Rule, Analysis, and Conclusion. Um, I'm a big fan of that. I think that's super important. Um, so I would typically err on the side of doing the IRAC form unless your professor says differently. Okay, and you mentioned um, multiple choice exams. Did you have any kind of uh, variation in your approach to a multiple choice exam as opposed to an essay exam? Um, I'm trying to think, I, I definitely think that the best way to go with multiple choice is try to answer everything. Cause I know it's hard when you get down to two and they seem, they both kind of seem right. I remember I ran into a problem with timing on one of my exams where I had circled a ton to go back to. 
and I had been between two answers. But then when I went back to them, I had to completely reread the question and get in the mindset of the question to remember why I was between those two answers. So I think it's a good idea to go ahead and um, even if you don't want to bubble it in, just to write like A in the event that you have to go back and just pick one really quickly. Um because you have to reread the question. So even if you want to go back to one and circle it, I would go ahead and write an answer that you would put if you didn't have time to reread it. That's awesome advice. And did you have any other like quirky things that you did, superstitions, rabbit's feet, anything like that that you had for exam taking? Um, so I remember my first year, um, my roommate and I were freaking out before our first exam. I mean, I'm sure we were making each other way worse off <laughs> what we were saying. But um, I I called my mom and she, I was like, I'm going to do awful, blah, blah. And she was like, Elliot, words really have an effect. Like you saying that is going to have an effect on yourself. So you need to tell yourself, my roommate's Julia, she's like, you and Julia need to tell yourself that you're going to do well. Like I know y'all are going to do well. You're going to do well. Tell yourself that. So before every exam, like I'll say in my friend's lap, I'll say out loud, I'm like, we're, I'm going to do well. We're going to do well. We're all going to do really well. I always said that before I went into exams. Um, that's kind of silly, but I think that it's important to tell yourself you're going to do well because words do have an effect. And even if you might feel unprepared, you should t- still tell yourself you're going to do well. Well, I've met your mother and she is awesome and very smart. And it sounds like she gave you some <laughs> great advice. So we'll move on. We're done with law school now. I want to talk about the job hunt. So you obviously got one of the most coveted jobs, probably, you know, up there in South Carolina and um, nationwide. Everybody wants a federal clerkship, especially at the district court level. Um, So what advice do you have for our listeners to help them land this type of job, help them land a dream job? Yeah, so um, obviously first, um, resume building is important, and it's never, it's never ever too late to do this. It's not, you're never too far. You can always build your resume and make yourself look better. Um, so obviously, um, if you're just starting law school, it's obviously good to work hard and try to make the best grades you can. It's important to be involved with law school clubs, journals, um, be involved in the community, make yourself stand out, um, have, do something that you can put on your resume that makes yourself stand out. And it's never too late to do that. So that is obviously important. After that, I think it's really, really important to use your resources. I know, um, I, I want to do things on my own for my own merit. I know everyone else wants to, but I think it's okay. It took me a while to figure this out. It's okay to ask for help um, from other people and use your resources, it's almost necessary, um, in this day and age to kind of, you know, help yourself get your foot in the door. Nobody's going to get you a job, but they may know somebody that they can ask to help you meet someone or help get you an interview. And then it'll be your time to shine, um, once you do have that interview. So I think it's important to not be afraid to reach out to someone, maybe a professor, a family member, a friend, career services, a lawyer you may know, just to see if someone has a contact or mutual friend that can connect you to someone or someone in a job that you may want. So I think networking in that sense is really important and not being afraid to ask for help. 
And then lastly, I would just say, once you do have an interview, it sounds corny, but I think it's really important to be yourself. Um, because people really enjoy having great conversations, getting to know you. And I think that if you have been called for a job interview at that point, your resume has already stood out to that employer who's called you for an interview. They've seen something on paper that they like about you. So um, at that point, they just kind of want to get to know you and talk to you and learn more about your strengths. And you can point out your strengths. But I think it's important to know that at that point, once you've gotten a job interview, you're qualified, you're there for a reason. Um, so they really just want to talk to you and get to know you. Well, that's great advice. And I don't want to catch you off guard, but I do want to ask, have you had any kind of interesting, funny, or horrible interview experiences that might be fun to share? I know you did OCI's uh, on-campus interviews and all of those kinds of things. Were there any uh, standout interviews, whether good or bad, that you might could talk about? Um, I will say when I had OCI's, we had a lunch break and I ate Moe's and I spilled red salsa all over my white blouse. So <laughs> that was a standout memory for myself. Um, that's pretty par for the course with something I would do. But um, I don't think I have any crazy interview stories. Um, I did have a firm one time ask me what was in the back of my car right now. And they probably thought there was something wrong with me because I was just kind of staring at them because I thought I misheard the question. And he was like, what's in the back of your car right now? And I said, water bottles? <laughs> um, it's not really a crazy interview story, but that's probably the most, uh, a question I can think of that caught me off guard. Um, but overall, I had really, really good um, interview experiences with firms and with Judge Anderson. Um, I, I think I've been really fortunate with my experiences. I don't have any too bad of horror stories, if you will. Well, I want to start tying this show up on a good note. So what is your absolute best memory from law school? Um, oh, gosh, I have too many to narrow it down, I think. Um I think my best memory from law school is, gosh, this is a really hard question. We, I had to spend, um, when I got involved with the journal, we had to spend a lot of time, what they call spading, fixing um, author's footnotes with um, blue book citations. Yes. And I think, sadly, my best memory is just stuck in that tiny room with, all 15 of us with those massive binders, all of us wanting to cry at whatever god awful time it was, just all there together complaining. And I think probably just bonding with everyone then and all the late nights of studying, as awful as they were, definitely makes you really grow close to um, other people. Well, Elliot, how about a few parting words of support, wisdom, advice for our future lawyers, and then we will end this episode, sadly. Yes. Um, well, I just want to say that law school is hard. There's no way to sugarcoat it, but it really is doable, and you can do it. You can do well in it. You can put a plan in place. You can have a routine, stay on top of your readings, but you really can enjoy yourself. I had a ton of fun the last three years. Um, 
you know, I really think it is kind of hard in the beginning to strike that school life balance. But I think once you find it, just really enjoy yourself. I promise you that when you start working and start practicing, the hours are going to be longer. Um, so watch that Netflix show, have a drink with friends, um, have a social life, be involved in the community in school and outside. Um, you just have to have the right mindset and remember before every exam to tell yourself that you're going to do well. A drink listeners, a drink. Don't go too far (laughs) with it. (laughs) Elliot, thank you so much for coming on. I guess this is where we end the show. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. Well, future lawyers, that does it for today's episode. If you like the show or hopefully love the show, please take 30 seconds to go write me a review and show me some love. Every time I see a positive review, it gives me that massive boost of positivity that I need to keep churning out this content. Now, we're getting to a point in the show where you've received the secrets to success in law school from a wide variety of guests. Also, it's getting close to that time where you need to start thinking about putting this valuable information to good use. So, as you get closer to exams, I suggest you go back and listen to those episodes that resonated with you the most. There's a quote by Abraham Lincoln that goes something like this. If you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. So, future lawyers, listeners, take the time to sharpen the axe. Whatever it is that you're trying to do, take the time to sharpen the axe. That's what this show's about. Everyone will be studying most of their waking hours in law school. You can count on that. However, the people that score at the top of the class are the ones who studied the more efficient and effective way. So, until the next show, keep striving and maybe take a little time for yourself at the end of every day to renew your mind, like Elliot said. I'll catch you at the next show. <laughs>